You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, today we are talking physical affection, sex headaches, semen swallowing, FMF fantasies, squirting, but first, sex doll smuggling. Before we get started, a big thank you to Desire Resorts for your ongoing support of this podcast. Brandon's a fan. Big fan. (laughs) And uh, Brandon knows a little bit about sex dolls. I do? Well, I... Oh, maybe not. Do you not see the sex dolls at the shows? Do you not go explore their labia? I've seen them. I, I That is my very limited experience, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Have you gone up close and personal with them? I have. Okay, fully clothed, I've touched them. You make it out like I'm wandering around naked touching sex dolls with my privates. Well, we should contextualize. So at some of the trade shows and sex clubs and events we work at, Unlike perhaps your workplace where they have paper samples <laughs> and, <laughs> and light bulbs. By the way, my only reference point for an office job is the show The Office. So I don't know what else people do at offices. I also just realized I called my private parts my privates. Like there are many of them. Sergeants. Sergeants. Oh, that was a dad joke. Yeah, that was big time. So at these shows, at these trade shows, at these sex clubs, we have sex dolls, sex toys, lube, various other sexual accoutrements on display. And the sex dolls have really come along. Yeah, I mean, from what the the flashlight that used to be the equivalent of a sex doll? Flashlight. The flashlight. Sorry, yeah. my bad. It's okay. They're not but a the sex dolls now, are, they're, they're the real deal, man. I want to have sex with a sex doll. Do you? I do. Oh, well, we can arrange that. I don't even know where to go with that. Like, arrange it through... Through a sex brothel. So there are sex brothels in Canada, in Europe, in Asia, which means they're probably coming soon to the U.S. They're like a boy band where they go to Asia, <laughs> Europe, and Canada first. Oh, man. And then once they, they get sort of big there, they're like, all right, we're ready to they hit the American cred? market. They, yeah, they the get street their street cred? cred up here in Canada or over in Japan or over in Italy, and then they bring them to the States. So, yeah, there are sex brothels with dolls here in Toronto. I had I didn't know that. Yeah, if it's something you want to try, you can go. And I was reading about these sex brothels. What are you going to say? I want to know though, so you can go. I have so many questions. We need to talk. We need to go and do an interview at a sex doll brothel because what about multiple people using them? How do you clean them? How do you These are questions that are already running through my mind. So it's quite a process. I was reading that it takes an hour to clean the sex doll and they use a disinfectant that includes a UV light in the shape of a a phallus to clean out the vaginal canal. Now you're making a face. I'm making a weird face, which is why we need to videotape these so that people know what I'm thinking. Well, right off the bat, Brandon said, I want to have sex with a sex doll and I feel like he might want to temper or... (laughs) Maybe take that back, renege on my comment. No, it doesn't change. I still want to do it. Okay. I'm... I just wonder, do you not wonder what it would be like? Come on, like, would you want to have sex with a sex doll? Maybe, maybe. And it's interesting because as of late, I've been interviewed on sex dolls and sex robots several times because because of these brothels. And sometimes these interviewers or these journalists are kind of, they're scoffing at it. And I'm thinking, but people really? are into this. And the reason I brought this up is that a Trinidadian man 
uh, had his sex doll seized at the border a few months ago after being informed that it contravened Section 45 of the Customs Act because it had human genitalia. And he is now suing Trinidad's Custom and Excise Division. And listen, I can't comment on Trinidad's import policies, but... And I I don't want to generalize about the Caribbean, but I can just imagine in Jamaica trying to take a sex doll in. I can barely get my suitcase into Jamaica, right? My my cousin was taxed and paid duty on her home printed wedding. What do you you call those? Oh my Um, goodness, I forget. Programs. programs. Sorry, wedding programs. She had her wedding programs taxed going into Jamaica. So I can't even imagine trying to get a sex doll in. And I I, I don't know about Trinidad, but I imagine, you know, they have somewhat similar histories, somewhat similar, somewhat similar economies. You know, it's funny. I ran into this in the UAE when I was working in Dubai. My clients got in trouble for trying to import a sex toy. And these women in Dubai taught me an important lesson that if you are trying to smuggle a sex toy into a a country in which they are considered contraband, you tape it on to your or put an elastic band around it onto your hair curling iron or your hair straightener because then when it goes through the x-ray machine, the electronic components look like they're a part of it. I'm not, I'm not advocating that you do that. I'm not suggesting that you break the law, but that is what I have done. I mean, that's what other people have done. No, I'm also, I've done it too. Oh, have you really? Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking about this Trinidadian fellow. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> that's what I'm picturing him like walking through customs with this sex doll. And it's like, what do you say? And let, what's the scoop? Like, of course it has genitalia. Let me just say like, that there's no we way. We have a sex doll with no genitalia. What's the point? He was not walking through like weekend at Bernie's. If they're anything like Jamaicans, guaranteed it was in a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which makes it even kind of weirder. JetBlue won't even accept cardboard boxes on the way to I Jamaica. So many questions about that now. Anyway. <laughs> well, our we have other questions because our listener questions are piling up and it's stressing me out a bit. There are so many questions because I don't like to leave you hanging. So we're going to address a series of your questions today, beginning with a buddy of mine is worried that something is wrong because he doesn't always want to be touched by his girlfriend, especially right after work or when he's watching the game. His girlfriend gets mad because she wants to kiss or cuddle and he just feels smothered and guilty for not wanting to touch her. Is this a psychological issue? How should he deal with it? This person's asking for a friend. He sure knows a lot of information about (laughs) his friend's situation, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh, Brandon, are, I mean, are there times when you don't want me to touch you? 100%. When? I don't know. It kind of just depends on what's going on, oftentimes with work or other elements of my life. I don't know. I just don't always feel like being touched. When you're cranky? Yeah, man. When I'm cranky. When you're pouty? Uh, I don't really get too pouty. No, no. I'll but... be the determiner of that. Oh, will you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, definitely. I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting to be touched. And isn't that also just a part of being a different human being some people want more physical affection than others and yep. understanding your partner yeah i'm gonna guess that the partner is making him f- contributing to his feeling guilty and saying well you know don't you love me or we're supposed to do this or other couples snuggle or my you know my friends don't run into this so you know ultimately i you know i've said before that compatibility in relationships isn't rooted in finding someone who wants the same things as you but it does involve working together to make sure you meet one another's needs and accept that 
one person cannot fulfill all of your needs every day for the rest of your life. So if this girlfriend wants more affection, maybe he can give it at other times. Maybe she can get affection elsewhere too. Like maybe she can cuddle with the dog. Maybe she can get more hug. Hey. I'm just picturing this gentleman walking in and being like, here's the dog. <laughs> You'd be happy if I handed you the I'd dog. Be, I'd be, that'd be amazing. But you know, you can get more hugs from friends or family or spend time touching herself. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that you don't have to, you're not required to meet your partner's every need and they can't meet all of yours. So you'll have a happier relationship. And I hear this from mothers often. Mothers with young children say that they feel touched out at the end of the day because their kids have been all over them, touching, grabbing, wanting to be picked up, and they just don't want their partner to hug or kiss or, or initiate sex at the end of the day. They've gotten their fill and they just want some space. And it, and it's interesting that he says that when he just gets home, home from work or when he's watching the game. So what's important with physical affection is that, that you communicate your needs to your partner, but also that you're specific about that communication. So if you say things like, I want to be touched more, okay, that's a little bit helpful, but not as helpful as saying, I really like to be touched in this way. I want to be held from behind while we're watching TV. Or if I were to say, I don't want you to touch me so much, that probably wouldn't go over as well as if I said, I, I really love you, but right after work, I just need 10, 15, 20 minutes to decompress. Or I love hanging out with you and I'd love to like cuddle and watch Netflix with you tomorrow, but tonight I'm watching the game and I just, I just want to watch the game without the distractions. But I see the issue probably being how to communicate that because I can picture it now with a lot of, I just have some friends and couples in my mind where you know, bringing that up on the spot is very difficult as opposed to bringing it up at a time when you're not having that argument. You know, you walk in and you're like, I don't want to be touched right now. And your partner wants to be affectionate with you. And then it becomes difficult to kind of address it on the spot as opposed to addressing it at another time when it's not an issue that you're arguing or being, you know, there's discomfort over. Agreed, agreed. You're going to get more out of conversations when tensions aren't running as high. Maybe, maybe this guy gets a lot of hugs at work. <laughs> maybe. Maybe does a lot of hugs. Maybe, maybe he's a puppy wrangler. I think I want to be a puppy wrangler. That's your dream job. Oh man, for sure. Absolutely. All right, moving on because I have a lot of questions. This, I have three questions that came from, I think, the same person. Is it safe to swallow your own semen? Is it gay to swallow your own semen? I am not gay. Uh, he wrote that. I'm not saying that. Is anal masturbation by dildos for men considered gay or not? So we've got all these questions along the line of, um, all along the lines of perceived actions that are associated with being gay, although they of course do not make you gay. So let's start with, is it safe to swallow your own semen? Yes, please taste, swallow your own semen. As long as you don't have STIs uh, like chlamydia and gonorrhea because some STIs can be spread to other areas of the body. Brennan, have you tasted your semen? I have not. Why not? I don't really want to. Would you consider it for educational purposes? Yeah, I guess so, but I gotta be honest, it's not high on my list of things to do. Okay, so how, oh, well, I don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. No, I know you're not pressuring me to. I'm just, <laughs> we're having a conversation here. And like, I don't know, I'm just not, not really, I mean, I would do it, I just, it's not high on my list. All right, so I was thinking about using you as a guinea pig, that we should probably go to a sex doll brothel and you could try a doll if you want to and report back. 
and then do I have to taste my own semen no, or something? Were, or just two separate thoughts? Two separate guinea pig experiments. But I will tell you that when I was a teenager and I played hockey, mm-hmm. now I'm narrowing down the pool of people that people can figure out who this might be. No. One of the guys ate his own semen. We're okay. using the appropriate terminology, which is not what we called it. What'd at you the call time. it? You can call it whatever ate you your want. Ate jizz. Oh, he ate his own jizz. Yeah. You say ate. It sounds like a knife and fork to me. Yeah, Did he yeah, drink you know, it? It was on like, it was, you know, pinkies up, right? And no, I think it was like he twisted off some knuckle children okay. at the back of the bus because we played hockey and took buses to the games. And then he ate it like as a dare. So he masturbated on the bus with all of his friends? <laughs> people, people think... All hockey players are messed up now. No, that's okay. I mean, did they all consent to his masturbating in the back there? I think it was just whatever. Interesting. It's not like we were all circled around watching him. He was doing his thing. Okay. Not a circle jerk. It was not a circle jerk. Okay. A little Dutch rudder action was not going on. Okay. So he... And so why was it so funny? I'm laughing now um, (laughs) more just because of the shock value that was associated with it at the time. I can tell you that... Up until you and I got together, mm-hmm. I did not actively engage in these types of conversations with my friend. My friend, my friend, with my friend. <laughs> the truth comes the out. Truth. He oh, does. Oh, man, it's tough. He does have one friend. I have a friend. <laughs> um, but we didn't have these kinds of conversations. And now, I mean, I really feel in a lot of ways that I'm much more of an open book. We talk about all sorts of topics and I think willing to push the boundaries. So when this happened, it was more kind of shock value. And I didn't see him do it. I had heard about it. So this could just be a fairy tale. Were you, you know, on said bus? Wives tale. Um, I was on said bus when the he pleasured himself. <laughs> what did but he, he didn't do it out in front of everybody. I mean, it was at the back. He was at the back of the bus. It was like, oh man, yep, he did it. Hang on a second. You you were on the bus when he pleasured himself. Did he wait till another bus ride to eat it? <laughs> I, I don't I can't remember. That was just the way the story went. And honestly, most of that's a bit of a blur. Don't remember much from like yesterday morning and before that. So it's hard to remember 25 d- years ago. I just appreciate that you said he ate it instead of drank it because I picture him with like a spoon and a bowl. And I, I, as someone who likes to eat their pizza with a knife and fork, the utensils matter to me. Okay, there you go. Pizza tastes Silver different. Spoon. Silver spoon. A silver spoon. I'm sure that's not yeah. what you had on a hockey bus in your it's teenage years. a plastic years. fork you found on the ground. <laughs> oh, gross. Okay. The semen's not gross. The dirty fork is gross. So, yeah, you can taste and swallow your own semen. No sex act makes you straight, gay, bi, pan, or any other sexual orientation. You decide how you identify. And I was thinking, do you know what it, semen, where semen comes from? <laughs> I know where it is ejected from. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk a little bit about semen because people, you know, this guy came up to me at a show recently, and I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast yet, but he got angry at me for not talking about the health and mental and spiritual benefits of swallowing semen for women, by the way. He was very specific that it's women who can benefit from swallowing semen. And I politely nodded, which I probably shouldn't have because I had a lineup of people at my table. We were we were doing a book signing. Okay, I'm not that popular. There were like two people. <laughs> my friend was there. Brendan's friend was there. <laughs> so there was someone waiting at the table. No, it was a big show. So he, and he uh, says this to me that I, you know, he chastises me for not bringing up the spiritual and mental and health benefits of swallowing semen for women. 
Uh, not sure why it's different for women than men. And Did I, you ask him if he swallowed his own or tasted any? I tried to disengage. So I, I smiled and he said, well, clearly you're not interested in talking with me. Did you tell him you weren't? <laughs> no, I wish I had. Yeah. You were there. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, I could tell you what I thought of him. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to? I thought he was a tool. Oh, a t- which a hammer? No, that is a useful tool. He was a non-useful tool. <laughs> yeah, he was a guy who wanted to tell me that I didn't cover everything he wanted me to cover. And uh, anyhow, I just want to dispel the myth that there are any really significant health benefits from swallowing. And in fact, we talked about swallowing and the Spider-Man last week. So if you didn't listen, it's at the very end. Listen to this or maybe two weeks ago. But sure, okay, the in semen... You have, first of all, when you ejaculate, you ejaculate about two to six milliliters. So that's about a half a teaspoon to a teaspoon, and it's not all sperm. They're different. So sperm comprise about two to five percent of the semen or seminal fluid, and sperm is produced in the testes and stored in the epididymis, the reservoir in the back of the testicles. And then the bulk of seminal fluid the bulk of semen comes from the seminal vesicles and it's made up of mostly fructose like sugar basically and it also includes proteins and ascorbic acid and phosphorus and amino acids and potassium and some other nutrients but it's such a small load as brandon would call it that it's not like taking a multivitamin i was just thinking about like a new protein bar well, no, they're out there. There's an entire cookbook on cooking with semen. Yeah, but semen. I'm thinking about like big guys at the gym. Yo, man, let's go get a let's go get a shake. Like a Lara let's bar. Get a, let's get a semen shake. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Nice, nice thought. And then the, there's another quarter of the fluid that comes from the prostate, and this is made um, of acid, phosphate, citric acid, calcium, zinc, magnesium, and then you've got a little bit, like one percent, that comes. Um, in the form of pre-cum. So this poor person just wants to know if you can swallow your own semen and now I'm going on my semen sermon. But it's it's fine to swallow. You're not going to um, get the benefits that you might read about in Maxim. Like I remember reading a headline that if you drink semen, you'll no longer be depressed. If you drink semen, you'll live longer. And so what they're doing is they're extrapolating from all of these uh, content ingredients so calcium and zinc and magnesium and fructose and protein and saying if you drink semen but you're not drinking it in the quantity of a protein shake so it's not a protein shake you could also eat dirt and get those same minerals (laughs) is that true i'm sure there are minerals so if they're using that headline right to cure all right then i could probably argue the same thing about eating a lot of things you find outside right on the ground good point Good point. You're doc- Mr. Science Babe. Google me. Google him. Google, Google him. Google me. If you Google Brandon, wait, go Google Brandon Ware. Just Google Brandon Ware and see what comes up and we'll and message me. O'Reilly's husband. <laughs> That's what shows up. I, I sent it into Google myself. Did you? Yeah, oh. like Google Maps. So this person also wants to know if it's gay. No, it's not gay. And then they want to know if anal masturbation by dildos for men is considered gay. So same thing putting things in your butt doesn't make you gay it doesn't make you straight the fact that you're into all this butt stuff and swallowing semen doesn't make you gay but the fact that you keep asking about being gay makes me also want to remind you that it's great if you are gay so if you're gay if you're straight if you're bi if you're pan however you decide to identify 
that's awesome and wanting stuff up your butt isn't a reflection of the gender of the person or people you desire. You can want stuff up your butt and be attracted to men or women, all genders. What's pansexual again? Oh, so pansexual often refers to be not necessarily um, being attracted to, whether it's emotionally or sexually, to people based on gender. So you could be attracted to people regardless of what gender they identify as. That's my best definition. And if you want a better, probably more succinct and concise definitions, go back to the episode with Ada Mandalay and have a listen as well. So yes, yeah, swallow semen, put things up your butt. You might be gay, you might not be gay. That's up to you. Now, I got a question, and I've, I've, I've received this question in many forms as of late, because in a recent Instagram post, I believe, and perhaps on the podcast as well, I said something along the lines of nervousness can be good. And so this person says, what do you mean when you say a little nervousness is good for you when it comes to sex? And... What I'm trying to say is that it's okay to be nervous and part of the thrill of pushing your comfort zone in bed or in business involves experiencing a small degree of nerves because research shows that regular people like us, so we're not Olympians or masters, we perform best when we are a little bit nervous or anxious because that nervousness results in increased production of adrenaline and other physiological reactions that can help you to prepare and sharpen your senses and sharpen your reflexes and improve your performance. It's it's sort of like a light version of the fight or flight response. So you don't want to be too stressed out but and because then you get overwhelmed and you get performance anxiety. But a little bit of nerves can help you to perform at your optimal. I see people who are nervous and then they offset that nervousness by consuming copious amounts of alcohol which is like if you're out you know what I mean it's like oh I gotta have a drink just to kind of ease the nerves Mm -hmm. and I feel like and that's the whole whiskey dick oh you're talking specifically about sex like kind of like cutting the uh, cutting the nerves down a little bit yeah and I think that has to do with our desire to avoid discomfort but a little bit of discomfort is a good thing and in fact if something makes you uncomfortable you don't want to close the door on it whether it's a fantasy or a relationship scenario or simply a conversation in your relationship and I think that's what we do we run from discomfort instead of realizing that discomfort is a sign that it's actually time to lean in and get closer and learn more and see if it leads to something more exciting or pleasurable. You know, from an athletics perspective, right? I really have performed at my best when I am a little anxious mm-hmm. about whatever, you know, if I'm playing hockey or if I'm whatever sport I'm playing. Right. You don't want to get so anxious that you're shaking, that you're not breathing properly. You're excited. You're excited for what you're about to do. Yeah. And it's a sign that you care about it right so people always ask me uh, because if you've heard me speak on stage I don't think I sound nervous at all and I feel very confident that's where I feel my most confident but I'm nervous for every damn speech I give because I care about everyone I, I it's not that it's the end of the world if I screw it up and I have that safety net to tell myself okay what would be the worst thing if, if you bombed on stage if you forgot what you were gonna say if you fell if you misspoke what would be the worst thing? Well, nothing really. Like the consequences are not huge for me, but I'm still nervous because I'm I'm definitely a type, and I like to be good at things. And we had a, an event here in Toronto at our house on the weekend. Can I say this? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. So it was an event for Brandon's company, 
uh, and the staff were all invited with their partners and we were talking about the importance of relationships for entrepreneurs and sales staff because they're in real estate and certainly you spend long hours working and it, you know you you cancel plans on family sometimes and you prioritize your business over your partner and so we were looking at ways to address some of these challenges but I was saying to Brandon I don't think I've ever been so nervous for a speech in my life and it's because it was a smaller group it was like 20 people or fewer yeah, and that, yeah. and it was in my house yeah, and it went off really, really well, and everyone really enjoyed it. And but well, yeah, I don't you, think they'd tell you if they didn't. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I would agree. You're probably right, but at the end of it, just you know, based on the conversations, everybody really had a good time. So, well, those I was nerves kept you sharp. Peak performance. Well, I was nervous because I also know them all, right? I know most of your staff and most of their partners, and so there's a there's an added degree of pressure of not wanting to screw up. And it's interesting because I've done this speech for sales professionals probably a hundred times, but because I knew them and it was in my home, we we actually did it in in our living room. But that yeah, the nerves made me work harder. Like well, I was more prepared for this speech because I was so nervous. Like you said, it mattered. Exactly. Well, and I I wanted you to pay me. Yeah, well, that's, you know, checks in the mail. <laughs> I'm playing in a beer league D division hockey game tonight playoff, and I'm nervous about it. Yeah? Yeah. I'm going to come watch. Oh, man. Is there a bar at the arena? No, there's not. So oh, you won't be coming. Sorry, can't make it. No, I can't make it. <laughs> okay. So don't avoid things because they make you nervous. The nerves are actually a good sign. I've got a few more questions I want to power through. This person wants to know, how do I introduce the topic of being with another woman to my boyfriend while he watches? What's appropriate? I don't know how to begin this conversation. I'd start with porn. Ooh, because you angle. see, Yeah, you see these scenes all the time. And so you can just watch porn th that turns you on. So you can share your reactions and tune into his. And I always want to remind people that there's always a considerable arc between having a fantasy or sharing a fantasy and actually fulfilling that fantasy. So the idea that I have a fantasy and then I share it with my partner and then we do it is a little bit, I think, too simplistic and, and too linear because I use the word arc, but maybe it's more a series of fluctuations. And in between sharing a fantasy and actually engaging that fantasy are a range of other really hot and exciting activities. So you might start by just watching this type of FMF porn. So two women and either a man is watching or he's participating. And that type of porn, of course, is ubiquitous. You can get it anywhere. Uh, or you might just start with Netflix because there are enough shows on Netflix that feature some form of a MFM, no, FMF threesome. And then maybe you just talk about this fantasy, like outside of sex or during sex. And then maybe you actually have sex with a blindfold on and pretend that it's happening. Uh, maybe you role play being the third party. Maybe you bring a third party in on, as a phone sex operator. Ooh. Right? Maybe you have sex with a phone sex operator and he watches. And then maybe you take it up a notch to a cam model site so you have some sort of sexual engagement and play with a cam model and he can watch uh, maybe you go to a sex club and you just watch other people who are doing this um, maybe you follow through and act it out one day and maybe you don't but uh, you know I've just named a few possibilities but this arc or journey 
uh, involves a whole series of discussions about what you like, why you like it, why it's appealing, what makes you nervous, what if ABC happens, how far are you willing to go, uh, how are you able to break pieces of this fantasy down if you're not exactly on the same page but you're not ready to close the door. So I do encourage you to listen to our podcast on threesomes uh, with Luna Matadas and we'll put the link on our site or you can just find it uh, if you look up Luna Matadas and Sex with Dr. Jess. But I think there's a this is kind of a fun process. You're at a good point and I do think that using the media you're consuming whether it's mainstream media or porn to start the conversation is is a good spot because then you don't even have to talk about yourself to begin with. You can just say, "Oh, like that that's hot or she looks like she's enjoying that or he seems to be, you know, jealous that he's watching." And you can ask questions like, "What do you think about that?" or "Would you want to try something like that?" Or maybe you don't start with would you want to try because you don't want to close the door right away or seal the deal right away what do you think of that i thought you brought up a lot of really good options to to dip your toes in i don't know that jumping in with (laughs) cannonballing your way into this is the personally just speaking from my own like my own perspective i don't know that it would be the best way i'd want to go about it because i feel like in theory and fantasy it's great there are so many other things that you have to consider when there's a human being who you've you know you've engaged to participate with oh however i know a customs officer in trinidad where you can actually get a deal on a good sex doll (laughs) actually that's a good option too Yeah, i was gonna say that would be a good option although for most of us the cost of a sex doll is prohibitive which is why i think these sex doll brothels are a cool idea all of this to me sounds like it boils down to incremental like conversations that you're having to see what the other partner is comfortable or not comfortable with and if you're in tune with your partner you'd probably pick up on some of those things where okay we've talked about it but there was some reticence or there was some resistance or discomfort I know that maybe I've pushed as not pushed but I've gone as far as I can and maybe this is where we're comfortable today right like ultimately I wouldn't want you to feel uncomfortable and I don't think you would want me to feel uncomfortable so once you picked up on that I feel like you'd probably push pause wherever we were yeah and I think actually one thing I neglected to mention is perhaps you might perhaps want to share your fantasy of being with another woman first and then you don't even have to talk about his watching if that's taking it to a whole other level and I have um, seen couples where in which the woman wants to be with another woman and she either wants to do it on her own or she only wants him to watch and he might respond by saying no I only want to do it if I participate and so that's a conversation you have to have because you're not entitled of course to be with another woman just because she's another woman I think sometimes people think oh if it's the same same gender as me then a I'm not cheating or b he should feel lucky because of the straight male porn fantasy of two women being together so I encourage you yeah just keep that conversation going Uh, it sounds like you're already on the right track because you're really considering things and then we're going to close out with one last question how do I get my boyfriend to make me squirt well first and foremost I suggest you try it on your own Uh, squirting usually refers to the fluid that comes out of the periurethral glands as opposed to the vagina for those who aren't familiar with squirting it's really popular right now because of squirting porn it's associated with stimulation of the g-spot and if you watch porn it it's like a big gush there's a super soaker 9000 up the vagina in real life it's not always like that Uh, the g-spot 
tends to be the area that leads to uh, a squirting or ejaculatory orgasm. And the G-spot is an area along the urethral sponge between the vagina and the bladder. So what that means is if you reach into the vagina, you can feel the G-spot poking through on the upper wall, just like half an inch to an inch in there for most people. So not very deep at all. It's not inside the vagina. As I said, it's sandwiched between the upper wall of the vagina and the inner wall of the bladder. Sometimes they call the G-spot the female prostate and pressure against that G-spot can lead to uh, quite a full-bodied orgasm because of the vagus nerve association. But what I really recommend because this is a big topic is that you go back and have a listen to the g-spots and squirting episode of the podcast to get even more info uh, you might find that toys really lead to squirter orgasms when they put a lot of pressure on the g-spot you also might find that pressing on your stomach while you're having sex so on the very very lower end of your abdomen abdomen can lead to squirting because what you're doing is you're pressing on the bladder which presses on the g-spot through its other wall. I'm just kind of laughing because you're like, oh, squirting is very popular right now. It's really, it's really trending. <laughs> it's on vogue. And the way you described it as well, the, the scientific description, <laughs> picturing people like, no, the periurethra, you know what I mean? Like yeah, in here. Yeah, no, I'm it's not stimulating so your Grafenberg spot. <laughs> I had another guy get mad at me the other day because I did a G-spot speech and I didn't mention why it was called the G-Spot, named after this research, Dr. Grafenberg. He was another device from the toolbox. Yeah, he was really mad at me. Yeah, He was actually just testing me, I think. Was he? Yeah, but here's the thing, folks. I don't know everything about anything. Like, I just, I have my limited amount of expertise, and it's very, very possible that you know lots of things, many things about sex and relationships that I don't know, and that's okay. What surprises me, or actually what was really eye-opening for me, was... If you look at the people who approach you and feel comfortable bringing this to your attention, it tends to be the same group of people who feel compelled, entitled to come and tell you what you're either doing wrong or not addressing pro properly at these sessions. It's, it's, it's us white guys, white dudes. Yeah, straight white guys. Straight white guys coming and telling other people what they need to cover. Yeah. It's kind of surprising. Nah, unsurprising to me. Well, surprising to me and <laughs> paying more attention to it. So I hope that helps with the, the squirting question, but I, I do recommend you go listen to that podcast. Uh, try pressing on your lower stomach wall, pressure on the G-spot. Uh, it's a little bit more complex than that, so it has to do with your breathing. It has to do with releasing. Oftentimes, a G-spot orgasm feels more full-bodied because we believe that the vagus nerve communicates the pleasure from the g-spot area and the vagus nerve wanders throughout the body so you might feel it like in in your arms in your shoulders in your face uh, the other thing we know about g-spot orgasms is that they tend to feel more as though you're bearing down like you're pushing something out of your vagina whereas the more common clitoral orgasms it feels like you're tensing up and releasing so your breathing and the way you allow your muscles to react like if you tense up you might not have that sensation so go have a listen have a listen to that one uh, there's some really good toys on the market for the g-spot as well there's one that i really love called the we vibe nova and the we vibe nova is a rabbit type vibrator but it's the next generation of rabbit vibrators because it has a nice big 
arm that curls inside the vagina against the g-spot and then this bendable arm that curls on the outside against the clitoris so not only are you you know perhaps likely to have a g-spot orgasm but also a clitoral orgasm so you know I always say that squirting isn't a circus performance you don't get a prize for squirting farther than your neighbor but well maybe if you are at the right party you do I don't know but it doesn't mean that you are having a bigger orgasm because you squirt more so with all of this again I always recommend that you just enjoy the process have a good time if you squirt you squirt and you have to do more laundry (laughs) right some people love it some people don't so we're going to stop right there with thank you to you for sending in your questions and I have so many more I have to get to but please do keep sending them thank you to desire resorts thanks babe yeah thank you learned a lot today did you there was tons to learn okay so we're right are we ready to consider the sex doll escapade I'm ready I'm totally ready to consider the sex doll escapade I also was very interested in what that gentleman had to say about certain activities being associated with being gay when Mm -hmm. in reality they're not. They're just activities, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's kind of interesting when you think about that. Well, does it make you wonder if you don't want things or you don't do things because of, you know, you were raised in a homophobic world? Yeah. But it's just interesting when you think about it from that perspective. Reminder about what pansexual is. Fantasy play was really, the the different ways to get to that fantasy fulfillment was really interesting. Good. Yeah. So we'll have hopefully Brandon at a sex doll brothel very soon. We'll be podcasting from there. Really? Why okay. not? Sure. Okay. Why not? Do you want me in the room or do you want to be with the doll by yourself? You know we need to have, we need, we need to start having some conversations. Okay. We'll have that one off air. So folks, we're going to let you go now. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Desire Resorts. We'll be back next Friday and every Friday morning with a new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.